Hey, everybody, and welcome to Overtly Casual, the podcast brought to you by myself, Dak, and my little brother, Tyler. Hey, Ty, how you doing? What's up, man? Just chilling. What's going on with you? Oh, drinking sangria, relaxing. I've let my body rest for the last two days. Um, do you want to explain to our awesome listeners why you've been dodging recording for the last couple days? <laughs> really? You're going to put me on the spot like that? <laughs> no. Hey, everybody. Uh, I've had some people reach out. I know we're supposed to put it out every Saturday, um, but I was traveling. Um, <clears throat> I was working Saturday all day and then traveling uh, Sunday, and I've really just been sleeping the last two days. Um, so here we are on what I believe is a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday, right? Hell yeah. It's a Tuesday. Um, so we're recording episode three, which is going to be pretty MMA-centric. Um, we're going to talk about what we got right and what we got wrong in the past cards <clears throat> this past weekend, uh, which were awesome fucking fights. But we'll talk about that, and uh, we may delve into some more stuff uh, as it goes along. And I know that I've been sipping on some sangria, so I'm ready to have some fun. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler, if you don't mind, since this is going to be MMA-centric, I'd like to open up with a prolific tweet um, from Darren Twill. Darren Till, uh, you good with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to go ahead and say it, or do you want me to be like... I got you. So, for those of you... So for, those of you, for those of you that don't know, <clears throat> Darren Till is a fighter from Liverpool. Uh, he's an exciting guy. He's got great ground skills, but even more terrifying uh, standing up. He has beaten the likes of Stephen Thompson. He just got mauled by Darren Woodley, or Teron Woodley, my bad. Uh, <clears throat> so he is going on a bit of a call-out streak via Twitter, uh, it was late January 26th, I believe, that he went on a on streak on Twitter. And one of the most prolific things I've ever heard this Liverpoolian say is uh, as follows. <laughs> so prepare yourselves. Again, this is a not safe for work podcast. And we're marked as explicit. So here we go. Darren Till states, Ben Askren sucks big, horrible herpes cock. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I can't get enough. <clears throat> Do you want to see him and fucking uh, Ben Askren fight? I think it's boring, honestly. I think no. I think I do not want to see that. I think that uh, Ben Askren said that he was going to take him to Funky Town. And, you know, that that's something that we discussed last time. You know, Ben Askren has yet to fight these high-level fighters. He hasn't been in the UFC. He's been in 1FC, and he was a former Bellator champ. Um, but I see him coming into the UFC and just, you know, big-brothering everyone there, just beating up on him. So, yeah, I definitely don't want to see that. I really like Darren Till, and I don't want to see him get beaten up on by some fat middle-aged man. Uh, that would be degrading. Yeah, he's great against guys like Stephen Thompson, and he's great against guys like Donald Cerrone. I don't know. After seeing what Woodley did to him, I don't know that I want to see Ben Askren fuck him up for you know, what you can only presume. I, I, what I would love to see is a five-round fight, main event on an ESPN Plus card. <clears throat> That'd be great. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't really want to see that. I think that Askren just has too many tools. He's been in the game too long. Uh, definitely, I think Darren Till is a competitor, and people may discredit his ground game and his jiu-jitsu, but he's definitely grinding. He's working it. Um, Tyron Woodley's just next level. That's all that you can chalk that up to. Tyron Woodley is arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. I think that he'll probably break that title defense record that uh, Demetrius Johnson holds. But, you know, I, I don't really want to see Ben Askren do that because apparently he ragdolls Tyron Woodley in practice. So that's definitely – like Tyron Woodley even admits to Ben Askren doing that to him. So I'm interested to see where he goes. I'm interested uh, – the one fight that I would like to see Ben Askren in is beating the shit out of Habib Nurmagomedov at 165. And I do think Ben Askren – would be too much for him to handle just based off of experience. I mean, Habib's a savage. I'll give him his due credit, but I think Ben Askren really fucks him up. I could see it, man. He's a boring fucking wrestler. I mean, he's got some striking to him. He trains Woodley. Uh, he was his main <clears throat> training partner for a while. And if he ragdolls the monster that is him, I mean, Woodley, we've talked about this before, but Woodley gained a lot of my respect when he beat the shit out of Till. So, I mean, he just mauled him. And he could have finished it sooner, but he just mauled him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, back to Darren Till, what I thought was funny about that, if you look at the timestamps on the times that he was doing this and you look at uh, the time, like in England, that he was posting all of this stuff, uh, it was super late night. Like it was like 2 a.m. there. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he was fucked up and <laughs> calling – been asking a big herpy like that was hilarious <laughs> it was so <laughs> i fucking died when i read that <laughs> that's some stuff i know um that our mother listens to this podcast and she's uh i mean she's a great supporter but she's advised us against uh cussing so i imagine she's going to uh flip her wig when we're talking about this Liverpool gangster talking about Ben Askren sucking horrible herpes cock. Um, <clears throat> do we want to lose all of our listeners? Yeah. What? A- <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. No, Anyways, um, Artem. So check this out. I was looking at Ben Askren's Twitter and Artem Lobov. Here's some MMA news for you all out there who give a shit about the goat Artem Lobov, <laughs> Mr. 13 wins and 15 losses. Dinosaur arms, baby. Um, he messaged him. He tweeted at him and said, Artem, you literally stink at fighting. Your record is 13 and 15. I'm glad you're living the gimmick because we're all getting a good laugh out of it. And, like, you know, I feel you, Ben Askren. You got that shiny 18 and 0 record, but you're 0 and 0 in the UFC. Artem Lobov is the GOAT, arguably. I mean, he had that war with Michael Johnson. Yeah, he's got 15 losses. That's a little bit excessive. But he asked the UFC to to release him. He is an entertaining fighter to watch. Um, I've actually Artem Lobov would knock. You know, I've heard I've got a little leprechaun in uh, SPG, and that little leprechaun says that Artem Lobov actually fucks up Patty O'Houlihan and Conor McGregor at the same time. I believe it. He's a savage, buddy. (laughs) For uh, anybody out there that doesn't know shit about MMA, Artem Lovov is the Russian hammer, and he is not, not that good. (laughs) I mean, he'd kick my ass, but he is not the UFC caliber. Um, He rode the coattails of Conor McGregor all the way to uh, UFC stardom. Okay. 
okay, you can cherry pick that argument, but at the same time, I just watched him fight uh, Michael Johnson for I think it was either three or five rounds because actually I think it was a main event, so it might have been five rounds. And he, <laughs> Michael Johnson's not a low level fighter. Michael Johnson in Bellator would be the Bellator champ, I think. Now, Artem Lobov gave him about all that he could take. And the thing about it is Artem Lobov can't throw a blow, and he really isn't a very offensive fighter because his reach is so short. But, dude, he got his face beat in for five rounds straight. I mean, I thought for a while that Michael Johnson was verbally tapping. He was hitting him so hard in the face. I was like, is he, like, tapping on his face? Like, yeah, definitely. The GOAT doesn't lose. He reminds me of Chell P. Sun, and then the P stands for icon, baby. Dude, you are being a fucking stretch artist right now. <clears throat> I don't believe that for a second. Artem Lobov uh, needs to go get smacked by Khabib Nurmagomedov again, which it's hilarious. Artem couldn't handle his own shit, and then Conor McGregor in, uh, what was it called, Dooley Gate or something like that, where he threw the Dooley through the bus? Or no, the uh, Dolly through the bus, Dolly Gate. Uh, he flew. Dooley. Yeah, so fucking Conor McGregor after Artem Lobov got smacked around by Khabib in a hotel, gathered up 15 Irish gangsters and flew to New York and then proceeded to throw a uh, dolly through a bus window, injuring uh, Kiesa, Ray Borg, scared the shit out of Rose Namahunas, and... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Rose Namahunas, a.k.a. PTSD... Biatch. She's just a crybaby. She really was on the internet. She's like, yeah, I have PTSD from that attack. Oh, like, God. come on, man. Oh, Get the fuck. Get out of here. And also, you said Dooley. Like, what's up? Did he pull up in his Ford F-350 and drop <laughs> fucking Dolly? Like, I'm into Dolly. <laughs> what's, what's up? But anyways, like, point being, like, let's not sit here and act like if you didn't deliver your best blow to Artem Lobov's face that he wouldn't just headbutt that shit he would he'd fuck me up i know he'd fuck me up but that's all right i'm not a fighter i'm just an overtly casual fan <laughs> i'm a savage i'm a savage Bro. you can take that submission round i'm a savage dude i gotta ask you i gotta ask you are you fucking connected to taco bell wi-fi right now you sound like stephen hawking fucked a goat and that's the audio <clears throat> no i'm not can you hear me? Yeah, connect to the Wi-Fi, though. Wherever you are, connect to the Wi-Fi. For, for the listeners that don't understand, I am in New Mexico. Uh, <clears throat> last episode was filmed from Cal or, uh, recorded from California. I am in New Mexico now, and the reason you're hearing Tyler come in so choppy is he's in West Virginia. And uh, those of you that know of West Virginia, it's good for two things, uh, fucking your cousin and shitty Wi-Fi. So uh, he's connected to Taco Bell Wi-Fi filming from the bathroom. So... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Listen, keep it PC, buddy. <laughs> I can't be. You can't be resting the Appalachian Mountains. Are you connected? Are you back, back on the Wi-Fi now? No, I disconnected. So uh, I think that it should be fine. Do you think that the audio from the previous twenty minutes is fine? Yeah, it's it's fine. We'll fucking roll with it. It's all right. <clears throat> uh, we're a little broken up, but literally everything you said was dog shit because you were uh, boasting about Artem Lovov. <laughs> Anyways, let's move forward into something that everyone gives a shit about. Not what you're talking about. Alright, UFC Fight Night 143, the first US, uh, first ESPN promotion. 
So what'd you think about ESPN's production style? I'll go ahead before you say anything. I'm going to go ahead and say that it was fucking weird how everyone was just smiling into the camera. Did you notice that? Um, so I'll be honest with you. I was going off of New Mexico time. I missed the entire first hour since I was in California. Yeah, I missed the entire wow. first hour. So uh, I missed Glover Toshera and the two fights following him. And uh, I, yeah, I get a text from Are my you? wife and, I, and she's like, wow, that was cool. And I was like, what was cool? And she goes, the fight. And I said, fuck. So me and my boy, we were waiting around just drinking, waiting to watch it. And uh, I was an hour late. So uh, <clears throat> and I was pretty heavy into some micheladas, uh, which is uh, what I can only presume is Spanish for good beer. And so I was pretty heavy into those. I didn't notice any of that. But it, was it the fans or uh, Chris Pratt just staring into the – no, that was at Bellator. Chris Pratt was at Bellator, wasn't he? Yeah, Chris Pratt was at Bellator 214, um, some undercard guy. I just saw that on the news because I only watched the main card of 214, which we actually need to talk about. That wasn't even on my uh, list of things to talk about. But, yeah, the ESPN production was strange. So DC was commentating – Rogan wasn't there, but they oddly enough brought in a coach to help commentate someone that has not been there before. I forgot his name, but anyways, every time that the camera cut to the people that were commentating, they were just looking at the camera and like smiling really big when they weren't talking. And I can only assume that the producers were telling them to do that. It was very strange. It was really staged. I liked the whole ESPN production. It was super crisp. I liked it. That was a little weird. I mean, I'm just obviously picking at the micro details. But, yeah, besides that, the ESPN production. Yeah, so I watched it. It wasn't available. Um, So I watched the undercard with Donald Cerrone. I watched that one on the TV on ESPN. And then I watched the uh, main card on my iPad. I, I mean, it was seamless to me. Obviously, missing Joe Rogan is a fucking huge disadvantage, but bringing in the fighters and, and presumably a coach, let me or a coach rather, let me see. I can't find who commentated it, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know which coach you're referring to. But <clears throat> again, I was lost in the sauce for that one. But no, I thought the ESPN's production was good. I thought um, they gained about, uh, I want to say, half a million subscribers to ESPN plus on that day. Um, half a million people in, including myself indulged in the, uh, seven day free trial. And if you only keep half of the people that signed up for it, then because it's a seven day free trial, you can cancel that, whatever. If you only keep half of the people that signed up for it, you're doing fucking good, especially on a non-pay-per-view fight. Oh yeah, absolutely. You gotta, you've got to consider what they're putting into these things. They're going to get money from the gate, and obviously they have to pay people to produce these events. But from the business side, man, like streaming these fights through these streaming platforms, much like Netflix uh, going up against their competitors, streaming is superior to everything. Like the ESPN Plus is great; it's super user friendly too. Like you could just be chilling, like you said, playing on your iPad. Oh, man, the fights are on tonight. I'm going to pull them up. You could be out anywhere. Uh, It's not really favorable to be out at a bar or something like that, hanging out with your friends. But sometimes if they don't have a TV or something like that, man, you could set up your phone, prop it up on a beer, and just watch the fights while you're chilling with your friends out. 
I would do it. I mean, I'm a loyal enough a fan to do something like that. But yeah, definitely. I think that they're gonna they're gonna do great business. I think ESPN Plus is a great platform to do that too because they have those mobile friendly apps yeah. and stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with these ESPN promotions. Now, one thing that I will say as well is the new belt definitely looks like a WWE belt. <sighs> I have conflicting uh, opinions. Like some days I wake up and I love the new belt because it pays homage to the former champions. And some days I wake up and I say exactly the same thing. Like did fucking Brock Lesnar and CM Punk design it? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a good throwback. I honestly think, so you mentioned WWE. When has the UFC been a TV personality? Right before Spike, before Fox, Fox was the big one. Spike is a little, you know, they're a little more edgy. They don't give a shit. Um, I'm, I'm more, I, I feel more sad for Robbie Lawler than anybody because he's the one off the top of my head that has the old UFC belt tattooed on him. So I wonder if he's going to get that removed and get that new janky shit tattooed on him. But I think it might have something to do with ESPN. Well, hell yeah, man. They wanted to make a bang for sure, and like. When you think about marketing and you think about the marketability, whenever you have this new deal, you really want to create some media and create buzz around it. So, you know, they, they definitely love these clickbait uh, articles that people are creating like, wow, new UFC belt. A fan like me, even who's a loyal fan, like I'm not paying that much attention. But then I see the article and I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Click on it. They're like UFC Fight Night 143 is tonight. Check out the new belt. Sign up for ESPN Plus here. That's marketing 101. I mean that that was a great strategy because you might not think so, but some fans that used to watch the UFC because there's plenty of people who are like, yeah, man, I remember the UFC when it was Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin and all those guys, and they're like, man, they're changing the belts. They're changing the production. It's ESPN Plus. What the heck? So they click the link and they sign up. They have nothing to lose seven, you know, seven free day trial. Uh, and then they watch the promotion and they're like, man, that was killer, which I don't think it was killer. It was honestly probably one of the worst cards I've ever seen. Uh, even though the turnout was good, like the fights were favorable to what I'd chosen. I hated that card. I thought it was Really? Cool. Even with Donald Cerrone beating the shit out of that little new kid. And I say little new kid humbly. That. That is the only thing that I think saved that card was Donald Cerrone getting a win. Now, with that being said, if you're a loyal fan and, you know, I'm a Donald Cerrone fan, I'm thinking, well, shit, man, he's on the undercard. And to be completely honest, I had to YouTube the video for the fight post that because the same thing happened to me that happened to you. I missed that fight and I missed the Glover fight. Uh, I actually came in on a Benavidez and Ortiz fight, which was great. That was an awesome fight. Benavidez is a stud. But um, Donald Cerrone showed out against that guy, man. He he saved that card. The only good thing I can say about that card was Cerrone beating that kid's ass. And, yes, I will humbly say that kid. But did you see all the shit that guy was talking in the press yeah, conference? Yeah, he called absurd. him a geriatric cowboy ass, something like that, like – that kid was he was pulling he was trying to pull a Conor McGregor with the skills of a I was about to say Jeremy Stevens but you really can't even say that it was the he was trying to be Conor McGregor while holding the skills of Alexander Hernandez you can't do that 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, to be completely fair to the kid, I think he's a highly skilled individual. I think he's going to be a great fighter. I think he has a super bright future in the UFC. But will I, what I will say about him is when those bright lights hit you and you got to fight Donald Cowboy Cerrone in front of a packed stadium of people that are there for Cowboy, they're not there for Alexander Hernandez. They're there for Cowboy. He's one of the biggest draws in UFC. He's got 21 wins coming in there. I mean, he's got all the momentum. You can fake it at the press conference. You can talk all the shit that you want to talk. But, man, when you get in that cage and you got to lock eyes with Donald Cerrone, I can only imagine the way the kid felt. So I think he's a highly skilled individual. He's obviously an incredible athlete, and you can tell by the condition that he came in. He looked great, looked super healthy. He just went out there and got schooled by a veteran. That's all that happened. I mean, you know, even down to the head kick that landed on him, man, he, he fainted that left hook connected that head kick and just finished him, man. He was knocked out Serrani, before he hit the ground. I thought that was awesome Donald could have finished it sooner, multiple times, if he really wanted to. I think so, too. But what you also have to consider is he does not, when he first tastes that blood, he doesn't jump. Like, you see inexperienced fighters who, who f- taste that blood. If you watch Bellator 214, a perfect example of a young fighter who is highly skilled, who just doesn't Aaron have Pico. the experience to not jump. Aaron Pico, man. Aaron Pico tasted that blood on Henry Corrales. And as soon as I saw him marching forward with his hands down, I told everyone that was in the room, I was like, he's getting knocked out. I told them before the fight even happened, I said, he's going for a knockout, and I don't think he's going to get what he wants. He's going to get knocked out out there. Henry Corrales is a savage. I do not think he was the better fighter. I do not think he was a better athlete. I think that Aaron Pico went out there looking for a knockout. And that's not what you can do, man. So, in contrast, looking at the Donald Cerrone fight, he handled it like that, a veteran. He picked the shots. Do, do you think that Freddie Roach, um, Joe Rogan, and Brennan Schaub played into Aaron Pico's uh, confidence a little bit on that one? Because Freddie Roach said that he could be a boxing world champion today. But he's also a world-class wrestler. So he fell back on that, Listen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you were uh, watching the fight and you listened to Frank Mir's commentation before – and, you know, I'm going to say Frank Mir is an awesome commentator. He's freaking great. He called most of those fights extremely technically. Uh, and what he said about Aaron Pico is that he's going to be – walking Henry Corrales down and looking for a knockout. But what I will say about Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan and Freddie Roach and uh, all of those guys, Brendan Schaub, playing into his confidence level, I mean, Aaron Pico is that guy. He is a stud. He's got the skills to flaunt. He went to the Olympics. He dropped out of high school to go to the Olympics. He was a national champion in boxing. He does have those skills. He could be a national champion boxer. But he's also a 22-year-old kid. You know, you, you get in there, man. You get in there with Henry Corrales, who he's got some losses, but he's also got a ton of wins. He's got, I think, 38 fights. That's not a walk in the park. You can't walk that guy down and try to knock him out because he's going to eat your shots, and he's going to stand back up, and he's going to give you one that you might not be able to take because you have not taken those shots yet. Aaron Pico has went his last three fights fighting low-level competition and just cleaning them up. And I knew going into that fight, I was like, man, I feel bad for the kid. I hope he has the coaching to guide him into the right direction. 
But I think some lessons you just need to learn inside of the octagon. And hopefully he learned that because – and I even said after the fight, I said that kid is one of – he's definitely, in my opinion, going to be one of the best mixed martial artists by the end of his career. Probably – I don't want to say ever. That's kind of a bold claim. But I see him having the skill set. He's young. He could definitely do it. Uh, back to ESPN Plus. I'm looking at their page right now. <clears throat> and uh, one thing I liked about ESPN Plus, and this is going to go back to the production of uh, Fight Night 143. It, it, so if you open up ESPN Plus right now and go to their app, you have the Jets-Bruins game, with which the Bruins are leading in the third uh, with 19 minutes left with uh, their 2-1 to one on that one. You have the... Uh, you have some basketball playing. Uh, you have the, the Kings and Suns uh, that are going to play uh, Missouri State and Valparaiso. They're going to play. Like, so you have basketball. You have all these live events, men's college hoops, women's college hoops, popular on ESPN. The UFC is on the pop right next to Peyton Manning, right next to the detailed mind of Peyton Manning, that documentary that came out is the best of the UFC, right? Under that is you can binge between fights. So the UFC is actually, if you go to their league section, the UFC is the first league you see. So I, th I think a beautiful thing that ESPN Plus did is, and that ESPN as a whole has done, is exactly what we talked about in episode one. You have these mainstream guys that are talking about the fights like they're, so, like they're normal. Whereas we, we've been used to this for years. If you watch the fights, you were a fucking hooligan, right? Now you had Steve. What did you think of Stephen A. standing next to those dudes, like not knowing what to say? Basically, all he said every time was, "This is real exciting, boys." I mean, these guys. What's his name? Oh, Alex Hernandez. Okay, what's the other guy? Donald Trump. Yeah, these these guys. They're real tough. Like, <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of loyalists to the sport will say, "Man, it's a disgrace to see Stephen A. Smith out there." But I'll tell you what, man, it's great for the sport. And I hope that Stephen A. Smith learned something because he's one of the great minds in sports. And I think that he has a lot to give to mixed martial arts. And I think that he could be a great advocate, just like everyone else who's involved in this ESPN deal, man. I think it's huge. We talked about this from the start. I think that watching the sport grow from being a young kid and watching uh, the Ultimate Fighter on Spike, I think it was on, and all the way up to watching YouTube videos being like the primary source of my YouTube, uh, my UFC content, and then Fox. The Fox deal was huge, man. Starting to see highlights of UFC taking off and stuff. And now we're looking at SportsCenter. And, you know, these knockouts are number two top plays. Like last week, the top five plays, uh, a knockout on the Bellator undercard was number two. So watching the sport elevate like that is great. And seeing people – who are interested and are growing like Stephen A. Smith, you got to give the guy an opportunity to grow. Is he a master of the sport? Obviously not. He's just getting started. But at the same time, he's one of the greatest sports analysts of all time. And that's not really something that you can argue. Some people may not like him, but also his name draws yeah. weight. So to see him talking yeah, about him. So you awesome. have diehard fans. They're going to they're gonna subscribe to ESPN plus for hockey or basketball or football. Or what other leagues do we have in here? Like every single one of these sports, you have soccer, basketball, MMA, tennis, boxing, football, cricket, ice hockey, baseball, rugby, action sports, esports, e fucking esports, right? Golf, squash, volleyball, track and field, wrestling. 
uh, auto racing. So uh, that whole conglomerate right there is going to have the UFC at the, the tip of their fingers, right? And one of the main things they see, one of the popular on ESPN they see is the best of the UFC. Now you click into the best of the UFC, you're going to see some exciting shit. You're going to be jumping out of your seat. And you just wait, man. Wait till five years from now when Amanda Nunez knocking out Chris Cyborg is everyone in America is reacting the same way that I did when uh, Amanda Nunez knocked out Cyborg. You know, like everyone's going to be jumping out of their seats. Yeah, man, I absolutely could not wait. I saw this coming. I kind of projected that this was going to happen. The growth of the sport, it's only going up from here, man. Like, just like, and, you know, I'm biased, obviously. I've always been a fan of combat sports. My history as a wrestler kind of drew me to it. Uh, My friends and I would always sit down and watch the fights in high school. I've always been drawn to the fight game. But at the same time, I see this being like, everyone's primitive instinct is to be entertained by watching people beat the shit out of each other. And it kind of aggravates me the direction that the UFC is going there with uh, Greg Hardy and the co-main event, you know, these freak athletes just throwing them in just to throw it in. It's kind of disrespecting the sport, but at the same time, I'm always down to watch the sport grow because it's awesome. Like even when my friends and I, and a lot of them don't have a lot of knowledge about the sport, but dude, they just look in awe. They're like, man, this is absolutely nuts. They'll watch someone get choked out uh, with a triangle or something like that or, you know, a really technical fight where people are just brawling on the ground. Not a lot of punches are being thrown, but they're going back and forth, and they're like, man, that's awesome. That That's super technical. So it, it's really awesome to watch the sport grow, and I really look for, like, massive cards like UFC 226, which, you know, to me kind of flopped itself, taken off. Like UFC 226, the Stipe DC card where Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis fought, which sucked. But Paul Felder and Mike Perry were in the undercard, and that was an absolutely savage war. I see UFC, I see UFC 226. Yeah, you were in town yeah. whenever we watched that, right? We watched that together. Yeah, that was awesome. But um, I absolutely see the UFC 226 type cards taking off and being like Super Bowl caliber, and that's awesome. That's great. Who the hell? Uh, really unpopular opinion here, but who the hell would rather watch a bunch of dudes carry an egg down a field than watch someone get kicked? Do not quit watching football. When um, so, a little backstory into how I got into watching the UFC is when Chris Weidman. I think it was my senior year in high school. So I'd been a casual fan, being a wrestler and and training in boxing and MMA at Advantage, which is a fucking great gym, um, <clears throat> headed up by Red. And, and, and a couple of that, those guys there. I remember Sean Rivera. Um, do you remember that guy? Yeah, it was Mountaineer. Dude, Arts. do you remember that time I tried to do a backflip and I landed on my head, got a huge concussion, and they're like, hey, pussy, suck it up. Like, <laughs> You still got to train. And we did the Mountaineer. Dude, we yeah, did the Mountaineer workout. My head is busting. Like, I guarantee I lost some brain cells because my head is busting. I'm clearly concussed. I, I couldn't stare at a light for like a month after that. Like the street lights driving at night would fuck me up. But I remember Sean who I was probably 170 in high school. So I was a bigger guy, but Sean was like 225. That dude fucked me up that day. And we were just going until somebody stopped Man, we rolled for like 30 minutes straight, just round after round after round and then wrestling at the same time. But anyway, well, let, let, let's go ahead and full disclosure. Also, uh, 
just to give the coaches some credit there. Whenever we did these savage workouts and brutal sparring matches, there typically was not an experienced coach there. If there was a coach on deck, we wouldn't be those doing those doghouse type of workouts or doghouse type of fights, you know, and, and absolutely. That, that's one of those things to see the way that that gym's grown and see the way that those fighters have grown there has been awesome. You know, if you stop by there, it's a super professional. The things they've done. I remember the first time before it was Mountaineer MMA, I went up um, <clears throat> for those of you that are unfamiliar, there's a place in Southern West Virginia called Pipeston park. And Tyler, I don't know if you went with me to this one, but there was a kid that I went to high school with uh, who I, I won't say his name, but he got picked on a lot. Uh, he was a little bit of a strange guy. I think he went to the army. Um, but he was a little strange and it, it was just cause he was smarter than everybody really. Um, and you know, he didn't know how to really communicate with people because everybody's too goddamn dumb to communicate with him. So, I go in and I'm a wrestler and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to fuck this guy up. So I take him down and I was like, oh, it was super easy to take him down. He puts me in his guard. Right. And this was in, it was past Athens into pipe stem when Mountaineer MMA was nothing but a basement on the side of a hill. And mama's tripping. She's like, you're going to go fight in a basement, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this weird kid from high school, I, I took him down and I'm like, man, that was super easy. Little did I know this is jujitsu. And he is comfortable in his guard. This motherfucker hit me with an omen plotter, a go-go plotter rather, and choked me out. He was on the bottom and he pulls his ankle over my shoulders, puts the crest of his ankle, the L of his ankle into my throat and pulls on the back of my head and choked me out that way. And that was the moment that I was like, okay, I got to start training. Um, so we started training. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a yeah. snap jitsu, man. You can always think, you can think back. You know, and obviously I'm not advanced in the game or anything like that. I can't I can't say that I've made it that far myself, but I've definitely made some progress. But uh, looking back at the most humbling moments, man, you think you're like, Jesus, would you really go into a bar? I, I feel bad for people because I'm like, you will go into a bar and try to fight someone who you don't even know. And that might be the worst mistake you've ever made. Because I've been on the mats with 14-year-olds who would choke me out. I would be 60 pounds heavier. I would be three to five times stronger than these kids. And they would choke the life out of you and then shake your hand and be like, you know, good hey, roll. Like, you know, our boy, our boy Diesel, man, that dude, he was, I was probably 17. He was 13 years old and he pieced me up in boxing. Like our boy Diesel, the last time I saw him fight was, I think I was 20 or 21 when I came into town. Yeah, we were there. Watched him fight. Him yeah, and we Sean were. fought on that card. Sean Rivera fought on that card. But fucking amazing guys. If you're yeah, the- yeah, a couple of guys that I wrestled with, and a couple of guys I wrestled with in high school. Yeah, also fought on that card. So shout out to those guys, man. Still grinding hard. Still, still going, getting after it, and you know, training every yeah, day. So if you're in the Princeton, yeah, West Virginia great, area, you have to check out Advantage. Um, they do. They have a lot of programs now, so it's easy to get lost. But if you can train under the OG guys, right, if you can get some rolling in with Sean Rivera, you, if you can get some – dude, the ultimate level is you get some kickboxing in with Red Lambert or I don't know if Shane or if Diesel rather still uh, trains. But if you can get some boxing work in with Shane Diesel, oh, my God. Like that's the best work you're going to get. And you're going to realize that you can't just walk in anywhere and think you're Billy Badass because you got a temper. Like that's that's the scary Dude, do you know how many yeah. guys are in the military that are that have never trained before? 
So I just spent two weeks on an expeditionary exercise. And um, so there's a lot of alpha males in the, in, in the military and they get like one or two sessions of combatives and they're like, yeah, I'll fuck you up, bro, dude, I'm crazy. And it's like, dude, you have no idea. And it just diffuses. Well, here, here, here's the thing though. Also, I mean, I, I completely can see their argument there because sometimes being sizable and sometimes being powerful is enough to win a fight. But I promise you, you go in with someone who's been training and has been diligent with their exercise and their nutrition and stuff. You go in there with a dedicated guy. You walk into a bar, you're going to be punching the wrong guy and he's going to break your arm. That's why I don't roughhouse. Like, that's I don't roughhouse. We, we got a lot of roughhousing in the military and um, I, w- I won't expose my boys on what they do, but we have a tradition of, of grappling and boxing and shit in, in our squadron. It's to squash beef. Right. And, uh, so we have that little tradition going and I do not take part because one, I don't want to get fucked up. And two, I don't want to fuck anybody up, you know, cause if you trained, if you're an amateur, if you amateur wrestled in high school, I, I'll give you two moves, two moves that you'll be every guy who's untrained. You will fucking own them. Okay. If you know how to sit out and turn in and run a half, if you can run a half and sit out and turn in and you know how to take somebody's back. Sorry. If you're an untrained guy, you're getting fucked up. So that's well, yeah, and you know, I just, I just don't. I would recommend to everyone who's listening, don't just fight. don't partake. Don't in roughhouse. Any of that. Like, yeah, just, just, just don't roughhouse at all. If people like, typically, you know, particularly being someone who's wrestled, grappled, boxed, you know, done a handful of those things, definitely not a super high level guy, but I've done all of those things. Whenever people start wrestling or if they start poking fun at me, I remove myself from the situation because what's the best thing that can happen is that you fuck them up. What do you have to gain from that? Nothing at all. I mean, it's it's really just one of those like and the craziest thing is the people that have the least to flex will always be the ones in there like gung ho, like, hell yeah, bro, let's fight. I'm crazy. But like, are you really crazy? When I get mad, I get retard strength. Like, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Dude, don't don't say the R word. And on that note, <laughs> we will transition into our UFC Fight Night 143 recap outside of the ESPN production. Overall, going to say that it was a super shitty card. Shout out to Henry Cejudo. That was a crazy fight. And that is something that I definitely did not expect to happen. And not making any excuses for Dillashaw... But I'm going to go ahead and say that that's what happens when you get down, get your body fat that low. You know, I think it was Kat Zinganu. She made a great point. She said the last thing to hydrate is your brain. So you're getting hit in your head. I mean, he got, he got, he got thrown down from a push. Do you think that TJ Dillashaw, full strength, you know, good camp, healthy weight, is going to get thrown down by a push. Your I mean, brain health chin. is so important. If you look at, and I hate to relate everything back to the military, but it's something that has been, you know, the last six years of my life, five years of my life, rather. Um, <clears throat> when you when you look back to brain health, guys that are in heavy operational or combat deployments, right? Guys that are at risk of brain damage, they are on supplemented uh, omega three supplemented fish oils to protect their brain. So when you are a UFC fighter, right? 
who you know you're going to incur some sort of brain damage, you have to protect your brain. And yeah, making that crazy weight cut, I get it. You want to kill the division. I get it. You think you can beat Henry Cejudo. And, you know, you always have a puncher's chance, but you have to protect your brain. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I had no idea it was going to go that way. I had no idea. I did not know. That's a – well, in, in your defense and in everyone else, Matt, Sarah, uh, Michael Bisping, I'm thinking of all the other podcasts. Shout out to Believe You Me podcast. I forget what Matt, Sarah's podcast is named. But all of these guys picked TJ Dillashaw because the logical mind says, wow, man, he, he's the more effective martial artist. But, okay, Jack Swagger. That's his WWE name. Jack, Jack, Jack Hager. Jake Hager. Jim Hager. Jake H- Yeah, okay. His name's Jack Swagger in the WWE, but Jake Hager fought in the Bellator 214 promotion against a total scrub, someone that you'd see at a local bar. But anyways, that's besides the point. He beat the guy's ass, and then he was asked after, after he was like, what do you think is more difficult? Professional entertainment via WWE and – as you all already know, the WWE is fake. Sorry to break everyone's heart. But um, he was asked which one is more difficult. And he said, most definitely mixed martial arts because it's a multifaceted sport. It's something that has all of these dimensions. You don't only work your boxing. You don't only work your desire to be entertaining and to be fun. You don't only have to cut weight. You don't only have to do all of these things. You have to keep a good balance. And that's what makes the fight, fight game so unpredictable. I cannot sit here today and tell you as someone who has watched many of cards, like someone who has analyzed the game at a micro level. And I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I've watched plenty of fights. I will be the first one to tell you, you probably shouldn't bet on this sport because there's no certainty. There's so many factors. Someone might not want to fight that night. Someone's hormones might be thrown off because they just cut 15 pounds and sat in a bathtub for the last week of steaming hot water and not eating any food. Someone might have not been around their family. Like these are all things that you can pretty much fight through, through most sports. But when you're going out there, you don't only have to deliver blows, but you have to take blows. And I think that's what happened to TJ Dillashaw. And I think he's going to get his redemption at 135. but I'm excited to see it, man. That's an awesome fight. Do you think so while I was watching that fight, I was explaining to my boy that I was watching it with, he's a casual fan of the UFC. And so I was explaining that TJ Dillashaw wants to drop down. He wants to kill the 125 division and Henry Cejudo just kept it alive. And I posed, I posed two situations to him. And I said, one situation, Henry Cejudo keeps it alive. And the way that he keeps it alive is he says, Hey, you know, here we are. Anybody wants to drop down and take it. Let's fucking go. I just beat your boy. Now bring anybody on Cody Garbrandt. What you got? What, what does anybody have? Right. The other situation that I posed to him was he kills it as well in trying to save it. He kills it. And he says, I want to come up and take your 135 belt. He gets hungry. He wants to be a champ champ. He wants to be the fourth champ champ. He killed the division. I think when he said, let's do it at 135 because. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, and, and you can say what you want. And I think that that is an absolute I think that that's an absolutely great point that you just posed, that he could be calling out people to come down and fight him. Cody Garbrandt, come and get some. That would be a great fight. That would be a huge draw. Henry Cejudo is a nice-looking dude. He's super exciting to watch. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Everyone wants to see that guy in the cage. We can't argue that. 
him calling out someone like No Love, that'd be an awesome fight. People are going to pay to see that. And it's a, it's a matchup that makes sense. That's something that I really didn't think about myself. Now, I think that you are on to something saying that him moving up to 135 is killing the division because Joseph Benavidez, the person who beat Dustin Ortiz on the UFC Fight Night 143 card, who is a hell of a fighter and has a win over Henry Cejudo, made that same point because he's on a win streak and he's like, okay, Henry, I got a win over you. Let's run it. So he's got a great opponent in 125, but instead he's going to go up to fight someone. And I think that it's understandable to see. I don't think you call him greedy from that standpoint because he's just trying to get his due. He's trying to make his money. He's trying to grind, be the double champ, this and that, but he can't claim to be uh, through marketing yeah, I'm the one who's going to save the 125 division and then put the freaking dagger in the heart of the division. So I think that that's definitely something to look forward to. It's going to be interesting to see how how this weighs out. If I were a betting man, I'm going to go ahead and say that he is going to fight Dillashaw at 135. <laughs> and what I think's going to what I think's going to happen, man, I think it's going to be I still got Dillashaw. I still got Dillashaw at 135. I'm excited to see it. I do think it was an early stoppage, but I think it was okay. Do I think that it's when you have two champs fighting, is it okay to stop it right there when he's running a single leg? Um, nah. Nah, I don't think it's okay. But I can see it. I mean, I, I, when you're making that split-second decision, I don't want to fucking harp too hard on the ref, but you got to you gotta let it run, you know? You got to let it run. Yeah, I mean, I could see it both ways. Like you said, I said the same thing that night. You know, I'm a rational person. Like, the ref is in there to protect the fighter. TJ Dillashaw's neck snapped back. His eyes rolled back. He was certainly knocked out and concussed. I think that it was not the wrong move to do. But I've also seen TJ Dillashaw get his head knocked back and his eyes rolled back against Cody. Come back no and knock the fuck out, right? So, yeah, yeah. So you got to give a warrior a chance to be a warrior, but where do you draw the line between being Mario Yamazaki or whatever his name is and being uh, being the ref that stops it early? I think that he protected him there. And taking that one loss as opposed to taking extra damage, I think that that's fine. I think it's totally fine because they can either run it back if because even Dana White's like, yeah, I think it was an early stoppage. Cool. Early stoppage or brain damage. We'll take the early stoppage. TJ Dillashaw gets to save face because he can tell everyone, yeah, it was an early stoppage. I, I had more to go. I believe it. I'm buying it. So let's see it run back. Let's do it again. That's the only thing that makes the sense. The funniest to me, you know? comment I saw on YouTube, it was a breakdown of Fedor versus Bader, and uh, which amazing fight. I mean, it's kind of not what you want to not, not what not you really. want to see out of Fedor, but it is what you want to see out of Ryan Bader especially being a freelance guy now, like he's, he's a free agent. He can go anywhere. Bellator has to give him some money to come back and be there. Wait, yeah. he's a free agent. Yeah, that was his last fight. On. Fight, fight DC. Right? Fight That'd DC. be a good one. Uh, I, he's thick, dude. Two double chance, deep. Two double champs. I think DC. Would I think that's great up. for Coker and great for White. You know, I think that's great for both promotions. If you bring him over, one fight deal with the UFC. Bellator's champ champ versus the UFC's champ champ fight DC. That's more entertaining. I would be more inclined to watch that than I would to see Brock Lesnar versus DC. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. You have to market it as Bellator's champ 
on a one fight trade just for this special promotion and Scott Coker gets to be a part of the promotion and gets a cut of the gate. That's never going to happen because the UFC is never going to want to stoop down to Bellator's level and say, yeah, we're sure they're double champs on equal playing field. Sure. They're always going to want to say that they're B list. Bellator this weekend, Bellator this weekend. I think, I think that they are legit. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, man. I think that it was a great promotion, but I think that the production was so bad. It was cringeworthy. When they did the national anthems for Russia and America, when you had two people in the octagon who aren't even sweating anymore, they're going cold, they're not ready to fight. I think that that played a lot into Fedor getting knocked out. Ryan Bader had a great game plan. I mean, that, uh, what was it, right jab? Left jab. Was, was it a right jab or left? Knockout. Left jab. I, I'm actually not sure. I can't remember. But um, it, it was perfect. It was perfectly timed, perfectly placed. It was super strategic. He even said after the fight he was calling his shots, and Frank Mir called it too. But at the same time, dude, that production was so bad. Watching the national anthems be played while we're all sitting there, like, in angst, and they're going to play the Russian national anthem and then get the – what's it called? Is it Color Guard? Yeah, the, or, guys, you know, the guys that run out with the flag and it? shit. Yeah, dude, that was that was absolutely cringeworthy. And, and you know, I'm – I'm patriotic, and I think that it was an awesome display. But at the same time, and it was cool to see that in MMA, but at the same time, I was like, come on. Because I'm thinking about the fighters. I'm not thinking about the fans, because if I'm a fan, I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Respect. Do that before they're in the cage. They're cold. Yeah. You know, they got yeah, their shirts on. I can on. get down with that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's run into our results. Um, you spoke earlier to you wouldn't bet on the UFC, but – if we were to, how did we do with uh, Fight Night 143? All right. So I'm going to contradict what I said because I did bet and I made 10 bucks. <laughs> Atta so boy. I'll just say that. Anyways, fight, yeah, $5 a fight. But anyways, Dillashaw and Cejudo. We both picked Dillashaw and Cejudo won. So we got that one wrong. The main event, the big dog. Um, Hardy and Crowder. You picked Hardy. I picked Crowder because Hardy's a piece of shit, and I knew that he was going to do something stupid, or at least gas out and give up the fight. So Crowder defeated him via disqualification through an illegal knee. All he had to do was fucking punch him. All he had to do was hit him with that uppercut. He was hitting him with an all-fight, dude. I think that's chalked up to inexperience. I think it's chalked up to inexperience. We saw Hardy defend the ground game. I think Hardy's still a contender. I think the UFC still sees him as a contender. I think it was inexperienced, and I think that he'll come back. I'm not going to give him a hard time. I think he didn't mean to do it that way. Um, I think he lied a little bit when he said he thought he saw uh, Crowder's knee coming up. It wasn't coming up. You need him in the fucking side of the head. You meant to do it, right? But it's inexperienced. He he let it get to him because Crowder, Crowder was getting under his skin. Hold on. Are, a contender – he was sitting out there with someone who hadn't had a UFC fight, letting this dude – He the Crowder was taking his shots and giving him shots back. Hardy could not fight a top-ten fighter. I'm I'm betting that if he went out there against Derek Lewis, he would oh, get – yeah, for sure. For knocked. sure, but you're talking about the black beast Derek Lewis, man. He's a fucking monster. We're talking about one of the guys that had the most exciting fight in the UFC ever against Francis Ngannou. <laughs> 
get nah, out of here. But, but for real, but for real, everyone knows that fight was shit. But um, I think that uh, Hardy with a little bit more, um, he needs to work on his conditioning a little bit. He needs to work on his pace. But with some more training and some more time, he's got great coaches. He's going to come back and he's going to be he's going to be good. Do I think he's going to beat the likes of Nganu? Do I think he's going to beat the likes of Velasquez or Lesnar or DC? Not yet. No, not yet. But he's performed at a professional level. He showed that he can perform at the UFC level. He needs to get a little more of that that blade sharpened because he jumped right in, right? He went through the contender series and fucked people up, right? He knocked three dudes out in the contender series or in tough or whatever they're calling it, the flavor of the day today. Dana there we Tuesday go. Night so whatever they're calling whatever it now. Um, he knocks out three dudes in the contender series. He comes in and he makes a sloppy move. All he had to do was hit him with an uppercut that he was hitting him with all fight. He had him rocked. He had him down. He, he was going to finish the fight, but he hit him with a sloppy knee. So I'm going to say he was losing <clears> that maybe, fight. Maybe, maybe. But oh, so as it stands. Okay, but, stands, okay. but he's, got, he's got someone who's an unconditioned scrub out there. So as it stands, oh, you're one and one, and I'm zero oh and two. Let's keep going. All right, uh, Gillespie, Gregor Gillespie, the NCAA champion in wrestling. He wrestled behind Kyle Dake in the Olympics, and we got Yancey Medeiros, who's coming off of a loss to Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and we both picked Gillespie, and Gillespie showed up, and he fucked him up. Gillespie is going to be trouble. He's going to be something to deal with. I'm telling you, dog, I cannot wait. I would love to see him fight Habib. I think that Habib's certainly, and I discredit Habib because I personally don't really like him as a fighter. But at the same time, I'm going to give him his due. He has great stand-up. He's he's great all over the place, got the stamina, all this. But Gregor Gillespie is a problem. He's going to be a problem in that division because he's a savage and – you know, I remember watching him wrestle uh, Jordan Burroughs, who is the Olympic gold medalist. Dude, I remember you had shoes. You had his wrestling um, shoes. Yeah, I did. I was obsessed with Jordan Burroughs, man. Absolutely obsessed. Maybe if I took some tips from him, I'd be a little better and not a little <laughs> shithead. But um, Gregor Gillespie, I remember watching him wrestle Jordan Burroughs because I, I pretty much watched all of his matches. And Gregor Gillespie, I think, lost eight to three in the semifinals. Uh, it was the fifty-seven division when Burroughs was wrestling for Nebraska, and I think Gillespie was wrestling for Eden Burrow or something like that. Um, yeah, but Gregor Gillespie is a massive problem for that division. I can't wait to for him to show like how high level he really is. It's going to be super, yeah, super exciting. Win. So you're so, yeah, you're um, now two and one. I am one and two. What do we got next? We got Van Zant and Ostovich and uh, did you? Fuck yeah, Van dude! Zandt? I can't go against her. She came to see us in Afghanistan. Okay, yeah, that's right. You picked Van Zant and I I picked Ostovich um, because Van Zant was on a losing streak, and you know it was a great fight. And Van Zant came out to fight. I was excited to see how it turned out. For sure, I was happy that Van Zant got back in the win column, especially since Reebok dropped her. It was great to see her get back out there because she's an awesome advocate for the sport. Obviously, extremely beautiful. So was Rachel Ostovich, and she came to fight. Unfortunate that she got her arm broken, but hey, shit happens. 
and um, we got Benavidez and Ortiz. Yeah, so we're both two and two standing. Yeah, Benavidez and Ortiz, and we both picked Benavidez, and Benavidez showed up and uh, pretty much all but shut down Dustin Ortiz. It was a great fight, but it happened how we expected it to. So three and two for both of the overtly casual brothers coming into the last fight of the card, which was Glover Teixeira versus Carl Robertson. And I'll say this. I'll say this. Had I known and remembered Carl Robertson from the last fight that I saw him in, I likely would have picked him. But just because I didn't remember his name because he was an undercarder, uh, I think when Mike Perry was fighting that Max dude, that Mad Max guy, um, Carl Robertson ended up losing. Glover came back. It was it was bad because Glover was hurt bad. Carl Robertson has a mean right hand, and he is a massive gorilla type dude. I mean, he's brolic, and he came out and he moved up a weight division to fight Glover on uh, late notice, and he had him rocked, like pretty much knocked out. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw uses it as an example. He's like, they let him be a warrior. That guy was knocked out on his feet, and he came back and won. Well, yeah, that's what happened, but. He showed up and beat Carl Robertson, and that leaves us at four and two. What so do you think about I disrespected that two things going into that fight. One, I dis one that was not in my favor. I disrespected Carl Robertson's stand up game, uh, which was bad on me. Um, apologize to uh, to that guy specifically, uh, his coaches, his team. You know, but the other thing I disrespected, which worked out well for me, was Glover Tashir's ground game. Fucking impressive, right? So he finishes him on the ground after being rocked. Um, <clears throat> those Brazilians, you can't sleep on Brazilian ground game, even in the big boys. You can't sleep on that. So I disrespected two things that ended up working out well for me, ended four and two. I want to say we ended up five and two because we both called Donald Cerrone was too much too soon for Alexander Hernandez. So I'm going to say we ended up five and two. Absolutely. Five and two, baby. I think that that's a pretty good ratio, particularly if I'm thinking back to ratios. And I've had a couple classes in finance that have taught me about ratios, but all I can think about Dude, is the kill death ratios. <laughs> and five, five, two is pretty yeah. fucking good, buddy. <laughs> I'm that's at- all I'm saying. But hey, hey, and what I what I learned from that card is a game Donald Cerrone is nobody to fuck with, but. The notorious Conor McGregor, I believe, is going to be way too much to handle for that old man. Donald's ground game is sick. Uh, Conor's a legit black belt. I think that if they stand and bang, the way that uh, – see, Donald's switching it up, though. Donald's switching up. He's fighting smarter. He, he knew what he had to do this fight. I think he may, uh, may know what he has to do next fight. <coughs> Sorry about that. Well, Conor, Conor seems to be a pretty easy puzzle to solve. Um, but what, at the same time, Connor hasn't exactly Connor hasn't taken good matchups, man, and uh, and matchups make fights. We all know that. And Connor Connor will go out there and fight anyone. So I I can't wait to see him back in there with someone who is not a horrible matchup for him. Nate Diaz was twenty five pounds heavier than him. Obviously a horrible matchup. Obviously Nate Diaz had better ground game than him. The dude is legit. Now. Put him up against someone like Donald Cerrone, who who's got equal skills size wise. He well, 
size wise, that's weird. But anyways, he he's pretty comparable in size to Conor McGregor. Dude, I think that Conor's gonna run that shit, and I'm excited to see it. And then you know, move up and fight Aya Quinta or Kevin Lee, which again, I think Conor can run the division. I think Conor beats anyone in that division besides him. Yeah, Conor, uh, he's a problem, man. Uh, he is a one hundred million dollar problem, running the best whiskey business in the franchise, dropping the August McGregor collection. Uh, it's going to ship sometime in February, I forget, or you can po- place your orders in February, and they'll be to your doorstep four weeks later, starting at $625 U.S. for a two-piece suit. Uh, I'd never buy an August McGregor two-piece suit, but if I miraculously come into a shit ton of money, I'll definitely buy a three-piece suit with a gold watch. And that 10, 10 men died making the gold watch. Uh, <clears throat> I'd definitely buy that from August McGregor. I'd like to Little name dropping. Yeah. I hear you. And uh, on on that note, I said McGregor's my boy. And on that note, since we're going to talk about business and talk about McGregor, since we're going to go ahead and transition away from UFC Fight Night 143, which you know, in summary, was total Shiite. Um, Max Holloway seems to be teaming up with the Jameson brothers for what may potentially be one of the best trolls I've ever seen. In so I'm not tracking arts. this. You're going to have to help me out. Max Holloway flew to Ireland and went to the Jameson Distillery. And you know that jacket that Connor wears with, like, the fluffy collar? Like, it's got, like, the sheep skin, and he wears it in his distillery and stuff around all those barrels and whatnot. It's yeah. kind of rustic. Okay, anyway. He wore that same jacket and went to the Jameson Distillery. And I cannot remember exactly what was said, but he said something along the lines of, um, he said something along the lines of like how Jameson Distillery is not a watered down trend. It is, has been a staple in Dublin and supporting families in Ireland for ages now. This and that just posted it it was an excellent troll i mean honestly it was probably one of the best trolls in mma history i'm gonna try to find it but um yeah i mean jameson i mean you you know you like is this is this exciting um is this is exciting for mma and whiskey oh absolutely it's awesome so what he said is 238 years of innovation hard work and unmatched quality not a watered down trend a true pillar of Ireland, supporting the hardworking families in Dublin for generations. Thank you, Jameson Whiskey, for the hospitality. The number one Irish whiskey in the Damn. world. And they they made him a customized uh, Jameson Whiskey bottle. And it looks like they showed him a good time, man. Uh, he, he explored Ireland. He posted all kinds of photos in Ireland. He was at Croke Park which is a place that Conor McGregor frequents himself and posts pictures of. I don't think that he was only there to troll Conor McGregor. I definitely think Max Holloway is a legit guy and was trying to show love to the city of Ireland. But from a marketing perspective, Jameson absolutely put it down on Conor's brand. And I think that it's funny because whenever I was at your house, whenever I was at your house, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I saw the Jameson whiskey bottles 
And, you know, myself, I'm not really a whiskey guy, but I saw the Jameson whiskey bottles in your house, and I noticed, because you had some old ones and you had some new ones, I noticed that they'd rebranded, and it looks an awful lot like Conor McGregor's whiskey brand. I'm a fan of Jameson. Uh, I'm a fan of Irish whiskey. Um, My flavor of the day, uh, my new favorite Irish whiskey for sipping is Tullamore Dew. Um, it's, it's pretty fucking good. Tullamore Dew is Irish whiskey. It's, it's hard to find in certain places. Uh, I can only find it in, uh, it's not in Walgreens, Albertsons. If you're in the Southwest, like Vegas, California. Uh, <clears throat> so if you're in the Southwest, it's available in Albertsons. That's my new flavor of the day. Uh, it's my new sipping whiskey. It's a little, um, it's not as stiff as Jameson, if that makes sense. The, uh, the aftertaste is much better. It's kind of sweet, <clears throat> not, not too bad, but kind of sweet. I have not had proper 12 yet, but this to me is exciting because it shows that Conor McGregor is making a dent in Jameson's sales. If they're willing to bring out uh, Max Holloway, if they're willing to bring out a promotion and do an advertisement, I guarantee he got paid. If they're willing to pay a UFC fighter who has a loss to Conor McGregor in a controversial loss in a, in a legit five-round war, if they're willing to bring him out and pay him, that means that proper 12 is putting a dent in that, boy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is just a testament to the work that's been done and a testament to the the fact that if you have a big name and you have influence, you can really sell anything. I mean, Conor McGregor, it's rumored that he's made more money off of his whiskey than he has the fight game, and that is nuts. That's crazy. I saw this coming as soon as he said that he was releasing an Irish whiskey distilled in Ireland. I saw the feud with Jameson Brewing when I saw the Irish whiskey bottles. I thought that it was interesting. You know, I'm a marketing major here at uh, the university that I go to. So when I saw that, I was like, this is going to be interesting. But I never, never could see Proper 12 taking off the way that Jameson – the way that Jameson is like, you know, Dude, we, have we have it every so, yeah, time that- there's a fight. We have Jameson. I <laughs> get a couple bottles of Jameson. Some people bring some. Uh, we play Sinead O'Connor's version of, uh, <clears throat> oh, fuck, what's that song? Oh, shit. I forget. But anyway, we play Sinead O'Connor, which is an Irish legend. Uh, <clears throat> we play her music and we, it's, I think it's The Morning Dew, is what it's called. I've got Tullamore Dew on the brain, but the, we play uh, Sinead O'Connor and we drink our, uh, Irish whiskey and we watch the fights. So, um, and I think for most people in America who can find proper 12, and for most people, definitely in Ireland, if you go judge on fucking Conor McGregor's tweets, retweeting everybody who posts about proper 12, I think that's the new tradition. If you're watching the UFC fights, you're drinking proper 12. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I think that definitely as a fight fan, it's more interesting to see proper twelve taking off. You know, I, for me, like I'm more interested in the aura surrounding proper twelve. I'm not really a whiskey guy. I'm definitely not into Irish whiskey in particular. But just to see that man, it's 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 crazy. So speaking about Connor, what do you think about his suspension? I think it was a little harsh. I think six months is bad. Connor didn't do shit. I think that's kind of a lick, but I think that uh, 
what happened there was that they were trying to equal the playing field. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they find him so much. Like, they find Habib Nurmagomedov so much. They find him 500,000. They only find Connor 50,000. So, you know, that's a tenth of what they find him. So, just equaling the playing field, making it six months even, I thought that it was fair. Ali Abdelaziz, which is Habib's manager, he was like, I think that and Adi Attar, which is Connor's ma- manager, they both agreed. They were both like, yeah, the suspension was fair. Obviously, Ali Abdelaziz was like, wow, you know, $500,000 in the leak of a fine. A $1,000 lawyer fee. Time, and he's paying his brother's fines as well. So he's paying seven hundred and fifty grand total out of that suspension, out of his nine-month suspension. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, I don't know. I mean, I really haven't – I haven't analyzed this situation enough to create an opinion of my own. But whenever I first saw that, I was like, holy shit. What Habib did was entertaining. I thought that it was crazy, a bit goony. Like, you might get an assault charge in real life. But at the same time, should it have cost him $750,000 to give Connor a black eye? And I was of the opinion that all of the actions that took place there were actually absolutely disgusting, that they were heinous. But at the same time, dude, I'd never fight in Las Vegas again if I was I that thought, guy. That was, I thought that was the real stupid. guys that snaked away with um, – that snaked away with an easy punishment were the dudes that had to pay 25 grand. Um, one of the brothers, one of the Khabib bro- or the Nurmagomedov Kamedal brothers that punched Connor in the back of the head when he wasn't looking, snaked away with a nine month suspension. Tom served, Tom served, mind you. So he's going to April, May, June, July. In July or August, he'll be able to return to the UFC octagon after punching Connor McGregor in the back of the fucking head when he wasn't looking. And Khabib is going to pay his fines. So he doesn't really have to do shit. He'd be lucky to get a fight anyway, right? They're not exciting. But or, or and I don't think uh, one of the brothers is in the UFC, but the Nevada State Athletic Commission banned them from fighting in Vegas. But, yeah, um, I think Khabib, it's a good punishment. All he did was flying eagle at Dylan Danis. Uh, Conor McGregor was just part of it. I don't even know why he got punished. I think he smacked somebody. Um but he gets to return April 7th. $50,000 is dropping the bucket to that dude. Um, <clears throat> he probably pisses $50,000 when he wakes up. So that's not a big deal. But the guys who escaped, the, the real guy who escaped with uh, minimal punishment was the dude who Khabib is paying his fines, and he's only got a nine-month sp- suspension. Or maybe it was a year. I think he got a year suspension. So um, those dudes really escaped with a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I agree 100%. I thought that that was kind of bullshit because they got $25,000 fines. And I was like, wow, like you're really going to – like that's what made me thought that Habib's punishment was harsh, not Connor's fine because Connor really didn't do anything but defend himself. What I thought that was harsh was that Habib's going to get 500000 to jump in the cage and, like you said, flying eagle, you know, just, just being a goon. But at the same time, these dudes are stealing off and like landing a clean sucker punch on Connor, you know, which was bitch made anyways, and you're going to find them 25K, you should have licked them. You should have been like, yeah, you you can't fight in Nevada again until you pay this $300,000 fine, and those guys would have never paid it. But at the same time, I think that likely there was heavy consideration that Habib would be paying everyone's fines. 
I don't watch and, proceedings, but yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I bet that's I bet that's the case. I closely, I I didn't closely follow it. By closely, I mean uh, I looked at Ariel Hawani. Do you so. think that Connor fights Cerrone in April, the April May f- time frame? My logical mind says no, but my hopeful mind says yes. Um, no, I do. I do not think Connor fights him. I would love to see that war for two reasons: because I want to see Connor get back in the win column, and number two, I want to see Cerrone get a fat payday. I want him to be like, I want to see Cerrone, something I've wanted to see for a year now. And God, thank God that I haven't had to see it because he's putting on a show right now, and he really looks like he's making a title run. So I might even be happy if he beats Connor, even though he's still my favorite fighter and one of my biggest motivators. Uh, I would really like to see him go out there and get a fat paycheck and put his gloves down and be like, hey, man, done with the fight game. Like, you know, if he loses to Connor McGregor, obviously that's not going to take him out. Connor's still with the real shit. But to see that go to a decision and him go out there and put his gloves down, that would be epic. That would be one of the biggest moments in fight history. Yeah, we got some exciting times coming in 2019. Uh, ESPN Plus is my new baby. I'm actually going to go watch <laughs> the best of UFC after uh, we're finished recording. But um, <clears throat> talking about wrapping up, um, I'm excited. We finished five and two. That's pretty fucking good to start out, especially with ESPN's first card. Um, I'm expecting to break down the Aldo card this weekend, uh, this Saturday, if you'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. So what I was going to suggest is that we hash out a time and we talk before Saturdays or another great idea if people are interested and and let us know, reach out to us on Twitter uh, and let us know if you would be interested in us doing a live stream commentary of the fight on Saturday, because I think that'd be a lot of fun for us to break it down and just, you know, have a couple drinks and just talk about the fights as it's going on. I think that that would be a great time so if you guys i love when our listeners reach out because it's so humbling man we've got a good amount of listeners especially just starting out man we've got um a a healthy amount of listeners right now the coolest thing that has happened during this whole time is uh sunday sunday afternoon in california uh, a gentleman that i know came up to me and and it's a guy that i you know not that i barely know but that i would never expect to listen to us ramble and uh and, and shit like that but he came up to me and he's like Hey man, it's Sunday. You guys haven't released the podcast yet. I was like, yeah, you know, and of course I blamed it on you, dude. Um, and he doesn't know you. This guy's never met you. I blamed it on you. I said, yeah, my little brother, he's like, he's dodging me. You know, he's busy. We're busy. You know, we just haven't found the time yet. He goes, tell Tyler to get his shit together. In that moment, it struck me. I was like, holy cow. Um, this dude that doesn't barely knows me, doesn't know my brother from anything, doesn't know you from Adam. And he says, Tell Tyler to get his shit together. What's his number? I'll call him. Like that's the coolest thing. So listener feedback, listener feedback yeah. is the best. So um, you can go to Anchor.fm to give us feedback. You can record voice messages and and send them into the podcast. We'll play your voice if you want to, or uh, if you don't want us to play your voice, you can put it at the tail end of your recording and just send, submit questions about life, leadership, um, y- you know, and something I'd like to do this weekend as well, Tyler is uh, an episode, an upcoming episode about uh, interview tips for college graduates and for transitioning veterans. Um, so hopefully this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. That's, 
that's something that I'm digging deep into, man. Like that's something that I'm doing a lot of research on myself and trying to perfect myself. I've probably, I'm going to be honest. I've probably done around 20 interviews in the past month, whether it be over the phone. And I know that phone interviews is something that a lot of people struggle with. So yeah, man, that's a great topic. That's something that I'm excited to jump into and definitely give us some feedback. If you're listening, drop a comment, drop a rating on our uh, Apple podcast app, go to the anchor app and send us a voice message. Even if it's just to tell us <laughs> to fuck off, yeah. just say it. Even if it's just to tell us to suck your big fat <laughs> cock. Hey man, we ain't been asking. Okay. <laughs> uh, so some yeah, upcoming absolutely. stuff that uh, overtly casual has is actually tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to record another episode in studio and by in studio, I mean my foamed out fucking walk-in closet. I've converted our our family closet into a studio uh, for this podcast. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a guy on, uh, a, a guy who's a good friend of mine. His name is Davey. Uh, he is my Asian friend, and he's going to tell some funny stories. He's going to sing some songs. He has a band. Um, they've written some fucking goldies, dude. Uh, one song that I'm going to try and convince him to sing that everyone loves is called Sin Nudes. Uh, so we're going to get a little day drunk tomorrow. Uh, it should be available around, uh, 6 PM Eastern. Uh, so <clears throat> we're going to be recording around, uh, 12 PM local for me, which is mountain time. Uh, yeah, he just texted me, he said he's off tomorrow. So whenever we'll work for him, uh, he's going to bring his acoustic again and he's going to give me some lyrics and we're both going to serenade this microphone while day drinking. Um, but yeah, dude, I think this has been a fun podcast. Uh, it's been heavy on fights, so we'll try and mix up the material for you guys that aren't really into the fight game. But we're gonna keep pushing it because we seem to uh, seem to get a lot of people that enjoy us breaking down these fights. So a lot of good feedback on this. Tyler, you got anything else for us? Just want to say hell yeah, day drinking, hanging out <laughs> in Athens. Shout out to my man Zach Farley. That's all I have to say, my guy. <laughs> boy. All right. I'm going to close this out. This has been Overtly Casual with myself, Dak, and my brother, Tyler. Y'all have a good one. See ya.